This is AM Rush. I'm your host, Alex Mitchell. We have a Mandalorian special episode going on today. As you probably know by now, or if you don't, spoiler warnings ahead, Mandalorian Season 2, the final episode has come out today, and we're talking with AM New York Metro digital editor Emily Davenport to break it down and It's pretty powerful ending. This is the last spoiler warning you're going to get. Emily, we're going to you now. Let's talk about The Mandalorian. Emily, season two of The Mandalorian had a bit of a, I don't know if you can call it a twist ending, but it certainly brought in a new old familiar face in Luke Skywalker. And I know that you have a lot of strong opinions on how this episode ended. I mean, for one thing, I want to know how they pulled that off. I want to know if they did like what they did for Princess Leia in the rise of Skywalker, you know, like how they had to do that where they had to fill that in because of like Carrie Fisher dying and whatnot. Like, is that how they pulled that off? (laughs) Because in my mind, as I was watching that scene, I was like, is it Luke Skywalker watching this? And then once the gloved hand came out, I was like, oh, it's Luke Skywalker. Who are they going to pull out to be Luke Skywalker? <laughs> because as we know, like Mark Hamill is an aged man at this point. Still great. Still amazing. But I was like, are they going to try to find some young guy to kind of like fill that role? And then we see that it's his face. And I'm just like, how'd they do that? How, like, how did that happen for me? And the fact that it was Luke Skywalker, just like, I don't know. Once the pieces started falling into place, it didn't feel as surprising. But he was not even like a thought in my mind, this whole series. Even when we met the one Jedi in a couple episodes previous and drawing so like, that's the one who was drawing a blank on her name. And when even she's like, there are very few Jedi left, I was thinking like, yeah, maybe it was like Luke and maybe there's a couple of others scattered around. But Luke wasn't a thought in my head that would be the one that would come to pick up the child. It just wasn't even a thought for me. And, and that means that the Mandalorian accomplished what it was going out to to bring to the Star Wars universe, which was an entire universe that didn't just circulate around Vader and Skywalker and this one family of Jedi, which are apparently, of course, we now know that's not true, but are led to believe that they're the only ones left of the Jedi Order. And I have to say, I think that Mandalorian for these two seasons has been the new backbone of Star Wars. It has been incredible the way that they mix the old with the new and you bring in new characters and you bring in old characters in a new way. Like this entire season, you get a new dimension to Boba Fett. You learn that he was a foundling and that his, or his father was a foundling rather, and is by virtue Mandalorian because there was always speculation that Jango Fett and Boba Fett were not Mandalorians. And now he is a clone of a foundling. Does that make Boba Fett Mandalorian? That That's the question at hand. And speaking of Boba Fett, we're going to get something with him too. After Disney yeah. announces so many new Star Wars series, 
They saved one in the books as a post credit scene in the last episode of The Mandalorian. So, or last episode of season two, I should say. Now we're getting what? The Book of Fett? The Book of Boba Fett? Yeah, the Book of Boba Fett. That is, wow. It's not something that I ever thought I needed, you know? (laughs) Because in, like, I don't want to denounce, like, Boba Fett for being less than what he is. But in my mind, when I was watching the original Star Wars, Boba Fett was kind of just like a footnote. He was just kind of there. He was an action figure to sell. Yeah, he was an action figure in the Millennium Falcon container case that was labeled. And that's a whole different tangent I could get on. But as we get to know him in this later half of this season, I was like, ah, he's actually, like, a little bit interesting. He's kind of has had, like, this past that we don't know about now because like he essentially disappeared in return of the Jedi and just, we thought he got eaten. Who knew he lived through that? So now we're going to get possibly even more, maybe into his background, maybe into his future. That's just it. We don't know what's going to come with this new series, how it's going to be laid out. And I'm excited to see it. I also think that it's going to give a lot of, kind of archives to life on Tatooine. Cause that's a planet that shows up in almost every star Wars movie. It's of extreme importance the birthplace of Luke Skywalker. You know, you, you think about it and Tatooine is kind of like the Bethlehem of star Wars. You know, that's, yeah. it's like a Holy land for all of the characters. You get it in Phantom Menace. You get it in Attack of the Clones. You get it in Revenge of the Sith. Obviously, it's in New Hope. You return to it in in Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, and you get it in The Rise of Skywalker. So every single major component of the Skywalker saga has taken place on this planet, and now you get to show more of the intricacies of who were the players. And if you're going to do a... Boba Fett anthology, I imagine it's going to tie to Obi-Wan Kenobi too. It's going to have to, right? Because they're in a way closely linked in themselves just because of, if anything, just by proximity. Proximity and also, I don't know if uh, if we're going back in time, if you're going to get Darth Maul. Darth mm-hmm. Maul hangs out on Tatooine for a little bit too. And being that they are rival crime syndicates, one being with the Huts and the other being Crimson Dawn, that could play out interestingly. And you also have what's going on now. You know, the the other thing about this Mandalorian episode, it leaves a huge cliffhanger to what's going on with Moff Gideon. Yeah. He gets knocked out cold in New Republic custody. You know, Giancarlo Esposito is not going down that easy. I hope he sticks around because I want to see what happens with him and with Moff Gideon. It's just like... As far as bad guy characters go, I thought they did pretty well with him this season, just as a as a whole, even in the first season when we didn't get as much of him. The other thing that I liked about what they did with Moff Gideon in the last episode, that was the first time you've seen him vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You see him take a def- you see the Mandalorian, you see Din Jardin beat him up. You see him hold the spear to his neck. And even then, that was a part of the plan where he learns that even when he's defeated, he knows he's going to win and that he can't be overpowered. And then the second he sees Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, he tries to put a blaster to his to his head. So that was the first time you've ever seen him in a position of weakness or a position where he doesn't have power. And that was 
an exciting new dynamic brought to the character. And whatever happens with Moff Gideon, I'm going to go back to the famous Qui-Gon Jinn line from Phantom Menace. And that is, there's always a bigger fish. So we'll see if Moff Gideon is now a smaller player to a much bigger force. And if you're talking about the re-rise of the Empire or the, what do they call it in the new ones? The new order? The Empire? First order, first, first order. order, even though it's like technically like the, the third order at this point, <laughs> you know, the, there are going to be larger components at play. And if there is going to be an interim Sith with Grogu's blood, well, look at that too, or maybe it's going to the emperor. Who knows what's going on there? Who knows what's going on with that doctor character? Oh, yeah, because he was left on the ship. We don't even know where he's at right now. A lot of cliffhangers, which I think are going to come up in Mandalorian, now that the throne for Mandalore seems to be the the primary objective here in, yeah. into season three, and obviously halting the Empire, that's going to be a big storyline with it too. So with that, I, I really do wonder what's happening with other players other components in the series yeah can i like this will this will eventually lead back to that question but like the fact that like moff gideon like basically baited mando into fighting him over like over grogu the child whatever we want to call him at this point and then that made him like the recipient of that shadow blade the fact that like he baited him into like winning that saber knowing full well that that's what uh what's her name boba bogatan wants that so she can reclaim her throne on mandalore to see what she's gonna do now in regard to all this because even as much as amanda was like just just take it i don't you know i don't want this you can have it and she's like and moth gideon's like not nah, it has to be one it's not about the, the saber it's about the power or about the legend to see what how that relationship is going to change now because she was relying on him to help get this guy alive or whatever so that way she can take him down for it but now that whole plan has been messed up so that storyline and another kind of side story which i think are going to make a pretty dramatic return are these dark troopers these oh my god droid yeah. Imperial fighters, which is what the Empire went away from rather than in the Clone Wars when there was the Confederacy with the droid army. Now you see a return to that instead of stormtroopers or an advanced form of stormtroopers. And I'm curious about the continuity of this because they don't show up in the new trilogy. But they have shown up in some prior Star Wars games. Star Wars Battlefront 1 and 2. Have you ever played those? I have not, but I have heard of them. The Dark Troopers in those games look different. They had like a a pale navy blue armor, and they were originally humans, but they had the jetpacks. And now these guys are a Generation 3, and you hear the Doctor reference that in the final episode, that the final mm-hmm. form of perfection was taking the human out of the suit. And now this is like the newest advanced form of Imperial warfare. And I, I'm just, I'm curious to see where they're going to go with this because you don't have visual continuity of these guys in 
three upcoming films. Yeah. So I, I wonder if it's going to be like Kylo Ren was too proud. I mean, there is a line between him and General Hux in in the, the in Episode Seven, saying maybe we should use a clone army. So I think there's a little bit of pride coming from Kylo Ren in that he wants his empire to be man-made. Yeah. So we'll see if if that plays into it, but. Uh, uh, there's a ton of fodder to go from here. You have the the new Republic series coming out, which apparently won't be a standalone for Cara Dune. They're going to handle her separately. And I wonder if she's going to play into Boba Fett. You know that she travels around a lot. So, or, or if she's just going to kind of be a satellite character that, get, that gets picked up kind of from place to place. And yeah. There's there's a lot that there's a lot of open doors right now that fans have been begging for, and I'm I'm really curious to see where they're going to go with this. I I hope they treat her right. I love Cara Dune. She's been like consistently one of my favorite characters since season one. Just I just love a badass woman in Star Wars. She's just so cool. The the other thing that I was kind of. I wondered why he was absent. Cobb Vanth from the first episode on Tatooine with the crate dragon. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that they didn't recruit his help for this. I know, right? It's like they seem, I don't know. Maybe it's because he has, uh, that he has enough on his hands. I don't know what's going on there either because he really did kind of just go and round up people that like, like, there's the people that he trusted, like the Cara Dunes and the other guy, I can't remember his name either, that were now basically stationed in that one spot. And then now that he has, like, Boba Fett, who he just met, that he's, like, now traveling around with, not mostly by, like, not really by his choice, I'm thinking, because his ship got obliterated. It's more by Creed, because of the Mandalorian, we promised to do this, this is, you know, this is the way. Yeah. So they form a, um, you know, a pact upon their beliefs as, as what they grew up in. And now, now it's accomplished. The child's been retrieved. Boba Fett goes on his own. Yeah. I have to say, like, I didn't actually expect that to actually happen <laughs> this season. Like the actual, like a Jedi coming to retrieve him this soon, considering it was only a couple episodes ago. Because... There, I felt like it was going to be like another open-ended thing. Like maybe that would have been season three. Like maybe they're looking for the Jedi that's going to train Grogu. Maybe, but the fact that it actually happened, I was like, wait, <laughs> I'm not ready for Baby Yoda to be gone now. Like, what's? Are we going to see any check-ins? Is there going to be? Is or is that just like something that we have to leave behind now? Well, the only trace to it you get flashbacks in the Last Jedi of Luke Skywalker's pretty much his Jedi training camp. Yeah. Which you can imagine Grogu was a part of. He had to have been, right? Because he was like a baby when, a baby in how we see him at that time. Now there's an unfortunate potential plot twist upcoming. When Skywalker reflects on what happened with Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, he says that he took a few students with him Mm -hmm. when he left. What if? Uh, what if? To say it. 
What if Grogu becomes a Sith? Uh, I feel like he's too pure to be a Sith, but it could have happened. It could have happened. He's been raised in violence. He's constantly around violence. He already knows how to force choke. You you see that he has pretty much all the makings of a Sith in an Anakin Skywalker-esque way. The only difference, and kind of like what Duel of the Fates was in in episode one, The Phantom Menace, you're looking at Grogu needing that parental figure, that father figure, who he has just been taken from. And you see that Luke Skywalker has failed his new students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's It's, very, very possible. There's going to be what I imagine is a second duel of the fates. Mm -hmm. That's why they called... And Dave Filoni, the um, the creator of Clone Wars, who, who's done a ton with the Ahsoka Tano character and has done a ton on Mandalorian, he talked about why it was called Duel of the Fates between Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, and Qui-Gon Jinn was it was dueling for the fate of Anakin Skywalker. He needed that father figure. He needed that compassion, that love that Qui-Gon Jinn was showing that at the time other members of the Jedi Order had strayed away from. Yeah. So. Grogu, now that he is away from the Mandalorian, now that he's away from Din Jarden, he's going to most likely, there's going to be a second duel of the fates for him. There almost already was with, with, um, with Moff Gideon now. Yeah. So that is, I, I feel like Grogu's next appearance will be Mandalorian. And then I think they're going to try to work him into the films. You have to imagine there's a new trilogy coming. They're not just leaving off on the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to think about just because you see him in one way and to think that he could be Sith is just like mildly heartbreaking in a sense, just because he's like, even though he's 50 years old in his species, he's clearly still like a baby. And to think that a baby could grow up and be evil is just, like, obviously hard to think about for a lot of people. And especially a character so beloved as Baby Yoda has in pop culture has just, like, he, I've never seen something explode so fast, like, in the media. Just, like, this one, like, Yoda-looking character. He, like, exploded more than Yoda did. Yeah. Whoever thought that was possible. I I wonder if they'll take it in that direction, but I think that I I, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. The other thing is that the only Jedi before Luke Skywalker that the only Jedi's that he has interacted with have had connections to Darth Vader. Ahsoka Tano was Anakin Skywalker's Padawan learner. And obviously Luke Skywalker is Darth Vader's son. So he's raised in this culture where they have the elephant in the room and like, hey, yeah, you know, we know him. Yeah. Like crazy story, actually. (laughs) So, Emily, uh, for you, what were some of your favorite parts of The Mandalorian in these last two seasons? Um, Basically, just any of both of the episodes that Bill Burr was in was like refreshing in a way that I just because like to picture Bill Burr's voice 
in the Star Wars universe was especially in the season two episode where he kind of gets a little bit of like a redemption with helping Mandalorian get like the coordinates so he can ultimately save Grogu. I thought that was just like a really good episode and a really good arc for him. Uh, I was surprised at how much we saw Mando's face this season. Like we only saw it once last season and it was very kind of like forced and I was not a fan of that when it happened because I was like, it's too soon, you know? Kind of like the whole point is that he's supposed to be uh, hidden and then they just kind of, they like yank off his helmet because he's injured or whatever. But then in this new season, it only felt okay in the season finale when he like takes off his helmet and Grogu touches his face and it's very sweet and they send him off and it's sad and he's going to cry and all that kind of stuff. But then earlier it kind of made more sense when he had to like take off his helmet for a face scan and then you're just sitting there with his face out. It made like a little bit more sense, even though I was surprised at how often it happened. And just a side note from that, I'll never get used to seeing Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian, <laughs> just like as his face. Don't get me wrong. Good looking man. Great actor. Loved him in Game of Thrones. Thought he was amazing in Game of Thrones. Still can't get used to it. It's just, there's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with his face. It's, this is truly a me problem where I just can't get used to seeing his face as this character. That's what's so appreciative about it. It almost feels like the demasked Mandalorian is a separate character. Mm -hmm. And in a way, it kind of is because he's grown up in this traditional, this is the way, very strict culture, which he's now learning about, is not everything that he was taught it was. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a, a new character or a character with growth, it's almost kind of like how when a character would go from the blue to green lightsaber, that yeah. symbolized growth and maturity. It's almost like Mando with a mask and without a mask is now the, the more spiritually reformed, more understanding Mandalorian. Yeah. So we'll see. There, there's a ton of new options for season three, which I am extremely, extremely excited about. Yeah, that was also one of my favorite parts was learning that Mando basically grew up in a cult. <laughs> was... I was just like, oh, this was a cult. That, that that, yeah, and that brings a new dimension to it, is what we are led to think is right may not be that. And that, that goes back to the famous Star Wars line, which every major character has uttered at some point, which is from a certain point of view or from your point of view. Mm -hmm. So from his point of view, he didn't grow up in a cult. This was the way. Yeah. From the rest. So, you know, that that's a big recurring theme in Star Wars is the certain point of view. Mm -hmm. So that's that's definitely one right there. It just goes to show that everything is like completely subjective. Just yeah. that universe also. Even Boba Fett. You know, mm -hmm. he goes from being the guy that puts Han Solo in Carbonite to a hero that rescues a Jedi. Yeah. It's you know, crazy. And, and with Star Wars' new programming, I'm going to read off just a couple of them. It really is showing the different points of view of the galaxy. You know, the 
kind of the most awaited one coming out is Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is going to have Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. That is something I'm very excited about. You have Ahsoka Tano getting her own redemption series, which is going to be awesome that they've finally given her a non-animated platform. And watching her her first lightsaber battle in you know with real people versus being animated that was that was awesome and you're also going to get rangers of the new republic which as we said it's going to be different than what cara dune had uh, cassian andor from rogue one he's getting his own series and some more animated stuff the bad bats that's going back to the clone wars some other things coming up is visions which I'm not sure exactly what this is going to be, but it's going to apparently come from different animation studios and be a collection of 10 different animated films. Lando Calrissian is going to get his own series. That's going to be most likely a continuity with Han Solo and his movie with Childish Gambino, absolutely killing it as the character. (laughs) And, There's some other stuff. Rogue Squadron is going to be a new film that I'm very excited about because I I grew up playing those games and it was a lot of fun. Uh, Emily, with the current state of Star Wars, what's something you're most looking forward to with it? Definitely looking forward to the Lando thing. If anything, because of Childish Gambino, because I love him, I love his acting, I love his music. So that's probably what I'll be keeping an eye out for the most. And just to see, learn more about that character, just because I feel like we don't get a whole lot of Lando aside from what happened in The Mandalorian and how he was in some of the Star Wars movies. We don't get to see a whole lot of his character, so I'm looking to see like what depth there is to that. I'm also interested in seeing what the, what the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing is going to be, because like we think we know him, but what's this going to show? Exactly. And I'm confident it's going to show Darth Maul. That's one thing I'm very confident in. And I have to give Star Wars The Clone Wars or whichever animated series it was uh, a nod to that because Obi-Wan, my prediction that the Kenobi movie ends with a final lightsaber battle on Tatooine between Obi-Wan and Darth Maul as Maul is trying to kill Luke Skywalker. That's my prediction there. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm I'm going by the the animated canon that has already been shown. That's most likely going to be an on-screen adaptation to that. At least I think. Yes, we'll have to wait and see. I'll just be wearing my Empire Strikes Back sweatshirt until I get some new Star Wars content. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. You know, Emily, is there anything else about Star Wars that you feel is worth mentioning right now? Um, I'm trying to think. I'm just wondering how we're going to be able to keep up with it all since they've got so much in the works. It's just, and before that star Wars was such an expansive universe before it got bought by Disney. And then all of a sudden so much of that side stuff wasn't Canon anymore. And now we're about to get a whole bunch of new stuff that's Canon. So my thoughts are going to be, how are we going to keep up with all of this? And also how much from that older source material, if anything, are they going to draw in for this new source material? I think 
that you're definitely going to get a mixed bag. And uh, a moment of the Mandalorian that I really appreciated was a flashback to Din Jardin as a child when mm-hmm. you get brought back to the era of the Clone Wars and there's a super battle droid waiting for him. And you, you finally see one of these prequel characters kind of brought to new light and you see it, it, how threatening it is when they, they may have looked goofy in the original movies, but now you realize that these things were terrifying. They were like eight feet tall. And, and if they attacked a town, there was little chance one had to defend themselves. And I, I just I appreciate that it's really bringing different generations together to create a, a timeline with more impressive continuity than you've already seen. Either way, I'm looking forward to it. I'm so looking forward to it. I mean, Emily, this is the way. This is the way. And I'm not wearing my helmet. <laughs> <laughs> well, watch out for a bunch of uh, cult leaders on a planet called Navarro. Yeah, they won't find me. <laughs> and if they do, I'm ready. You're ready? Okay. You got some <laughs> Beth Gar hiding in the apartment? Something like that. Sounds- I don't want to give away all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> well... Thank you so much for coming on AM Rush. A very exciting end to The Mandalorian Season 2. And, uh, well, spoiler warnings. We just spoiled it for you. (laughs) You should probably put something at the front for that. Yes, I I will definitely do that after this. Anyway, Emily, (laughs) it's always a pleasure. Happy holidays to you, your family, everyone you care about. We will be talking soon. I'm sure that we're going to have more Star Wars stuff to talk down. Back at you, Alex. Can't wait. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you.